reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars, dial 2 for streaming stars, dial 3 for TV stars, dial 4 for music stars or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. G'day, it's Phil Burton here and guess what? I won Dancing with the Stars 2023. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host and head of entertainment at Media Week and Chatter, Anita Annabelle. During the Sunday, July 23rd, Dancing with the Stars grand finale, Phil Burton beat out home and away actor Emily Weir to take home the coveted Mirrorball trophy. Phil was not only awarded the winning title, but was also given $20,000 for his chosen charity, New South Wales Police Legacy. Before his turn as a ballroom dancer, Phil has been most known as a member of Human Nature, Australia's most famous boy band. Formed as a high school group back in 1989, the band have since released 13 studio albums, three compilation albums, five video albums, one EP, 22 singles and 32 music videos. They've also held a Las Vegas residency and were inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame in 2019. In this episode, I spoke to Phil all about his win, why he still gets imposter syndrome after all these years, what his kids really think about his fame and what it was like growing up with a policeman for a dad. This was a pretty special interview for me and you can seriously hear the fangirl in me all the way through. You can stream all episodes of Phil's winning Dancing with the Stars series on 7 Plus now. Here's Phil Burton. How are you? I am great, thank you. I'm really great. I am so thrilled to be chatting to you. This is a very, very big, uh, exciting (laughs) time for me. I don't think you understand. Oh, really? Yeah, human nature fan from way back. Oh, that is so sweet of you. Thank you. (laughs) Actually, I have to tell you, I was a school spec girl. Oh, okay, right. Okay. So we have a history. We have a history. So you performed in one of the years that I was there. So I'm that old also, sorry. That's okay. We're not old. We're experienced. Oh, I love that. I think I'll be mm-hmm. using that from now on. Feel free. But congratulations on the win. That's so exciting. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, it's so weird, though, because during the whole filming of the show, none of it actually felt like anyone was trying to beat each other. It always just felt like we were just do, trying to do our best, but not not just our, not our best that was better than someone else. It felt like we wanted everyone to be at their absolute best because we wanted this to be a great shared experience and a great TV show. So the camaraderie backstage was like you wouldn't believe. There was hugs and there was pumping each other up and there was advice and tips and it was just, it was gorgeous. It was a really beautiful bunch of people to work with. Oh. That is so beautiful. We, you're not even talking about how excited you were to win. It was just more about the people, and that is just such a beautiful it was. thing. It was. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is wonderful that I won, but if if I even if I hadn't won, I would still be looking back on this experience and being so proud of how well I did, how well I did with my partner, who was, she was just amazing. She she brought out things in me that I never even knew were in there. So, um, 
yeah, it was just a bit of a life-changing experience all around and in such a good way. Actually, I wanted to talk about Ashley because you did say that that she brought out things in you that you never knew that you even had. Can That's you right. explain that a little bit more? I think um, it's, it does. It sounds a bit like hyperbole when I say it, that um, that it was a life-changing experience, but it was. But it and it's more in in my attitude going forward to things about feeling confident in myself that I can do something that I've never done before. Um, Going, because going into this, I very quickly learned. Like at the very start, I I thought, oh, you know, the dancing that I've done with human nature is going to really help me here. And I learned so quickly that it wasn't going to help me at all, <laughs> um, because ballroom dancing is totally different, completely different to anything I've ever done. So, so it was like starting from scratch, and and that did worry me for a for a while. But Ashley was such a great teacher that. She really picked my level of ability straight away. She never rushed me into things, but she also never dragged the process at all. It, it was perfect what she did. So, and and knowing that she was teaching me great things and I was getting them, um, that was what changed me. So I do have so much to thank her for because of, that's what she did. She brought out this confidence in me that I never knew was there. And um ability to break through any anxiety that I had over feeling like I wasn't ready for this or wasn't able to do it. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling. And I just, I really look forward to getting together every day and going through the dance steps. And, and when it finished, I really missed it. It felt so weird for a couple of weeks. It was like, oh God, I was like, you know, <laughs> so I had to call her up and just go, can we get together? I miss you. <laughs> so thank you. That's, that's what I mean about it. Yeah. This, it's, it's, she really did bring out that confidence in me. Firstly, it, it dancing is quite intimate and not in like a, you know, in a very professional sense, obviously, but it is quite yes. an intimate thing. And that's probably why you missed her. Yeah. Oh, literally. Literally it was. Um, I would imagine, you know, I've always, I've always said as well that, you know, my wife, Justine, was so incredibly supportive. In fact, when I got offered to do Dance with the Stars, she was more excited than I was to begin with. <laughs> um, <laughs> she thought it was just the most unreal thing ever. Um, but complete support in everything that I did. And I can see why if someone wasn't particularly, um, you know, confident in themselves, if they didn't really have, if they were a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just missing in my head right now. Insecure. If they were a little bit insecure about their relationship with their wife or some, or partner or something like that, throwing them into this situation could be really confronting because Ashley and I were quite literally chest to chest mm. for eight weeks holding each other. Um, it, from from an outsider's perspective, if you did, if you weren't comfortable with it, it could really make you feel quite insecure. But Justine was absolutely hundred percent behind it. Ash's fiance Ronnie was hundred percent behind it as well. They would come in and watch us and cheer us on in the rehearsal studios. And um, so that intimacy was actually a really wonderful thing. It was it was such a great feeling to do that because there wasn't any discomfort about it at all. There was only support and a lot of love in the room. It was really great. I love that Justine's probably now found something in you as well that she never knew you had. Yeah, she. I mean, she constantly she constantly pumps up my tires as well. She she's the most amazing person. Uh, I'm really lucky to have to have married Justine because she is so incredibly supportive and she does 
you know, like all performers, I think I have that little bit of imposter syndrome in me somewhere that um, where you feel like someone one day is going to expose you as a fraud. <laughs> um, oh, no, all performers have it. They call it imposter syndrome where you feel like you're on stage doing something and you just feel like I'm not actually good enough to do this and one day someone's going to find me out. And it, it's a hard thing to get past. And um, Justine has always been really, really in my corner and pushing me and convincing me that I can do this. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a, it's an amazing feeling to know that there's someone a hundred percent behind you with that kind of feeling. I know it's been like, Oh my God, (laughs) but it's so true. It's so true. You're making me feel very single right now. Oh, I'm sorry, Anita. (laughs) No, 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 I'm just joking, but I mean, you are. (laughs) But this imposter syndrome, actually, that is just such an interesting thing that you're saying because you've done Las Vegas residencies. Like, I just don't, it's not computing in my head that you have this, but yet you're in probably the most famous Australian boy band. And (laughs) that is, like, to me, crazy that you there's a part of you that kind of still after, by the way, like over two decades still. Oh yeah. It's been 30, 33 years that we've been together. Can I quickly ask, you forged in 1989. How is that possible? We were at high school together. Oh, of course. That's how you did school spec. Yeah. We got together for an end of year concert at Bankstown Town Hall and it kind of all escalated from there. That is crazy towns. (laughs) (laughs) that is crazy and you're still all friends and you're still all in a band together exactly i know it's amazing i think that initial bond of friendship is really what has kept us together for that long we we didn't get together for any business decision we didn't get together by audition we were four friends at school who decided to sing a song together and so that initial friendship is still there and has kept us going through all these years do you remember what that song was yeah it was earth angel Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, made famous actually by um, you know Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. It's one he plays at the Enchantment Under the Sea Ball. Oh my! Of course! Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! And then yet here you are. Like that is just that is mind blowing once again to me. But before we kind of talk about that, if that's okay, because I do want to kind of go into your career a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just really want to ask about your charity because this is a this is quite a great charity, New South Wales Police Legacy. Can you explain that a little bit more as to why you chose it and where the funds will go to? Okay, yeah. So New South Wales Police Legacy, they are a foundation that reach out to help families who had a police officer in the family who had passed away, whether it's the dad or the mum or a brother or a sister, but someone in the family was a police officer who passed away. So they reach out with financial assistance, but also assistance with kids, getting them through school, taking them on camps and showing them, I guess, a little light in in what's a pretty dark time in their life. Um, they hold, you know, they hold camps and things like that as well. So, and the reason I chose it is because my dad was actually a police officer and he passed away in 2004. So about 20 years ago now, but even though he'd actually been out of the job for about six years when he passed away, but even though he still, he wasn't a police officer, police legacy still reached out to my family and to my mum and uh, and said, what can we do to help? What, how can we help you through this? And it was just 
a really, really beautiful thing. And even to this day, my mum still goes to functions that New South Wales Police Legacy holds. I um I sang at the Police Legacy Ball back in March. Yeah, which was really fun getting up there with the police band and then the crowd were all rocking. It was on the dance floor. It was so much fun. That's so so cool. for me, it was just the perfect charity. It's very personal to me and it means a lot. So I'm really happy that I can um I can I've got I've got this money for them. It's going to go to some really much needed things. What was it like growing up having a dad as a police officer? It was actually kind of cool. You know, you could tell your friends and then you'd you'd go and you'd you'd get his hat and put his hat on and now and again he'd pull out the handcuffs and just mucking around he'd put kids in the neighborhood under arrest. <laughs> it was <laughs> It was pretty cool. And um, he'd drive us to school. I remember being little that sometimes when he would bring home an actual marked police car, he would drive us to school and it was the amount of all the kids just staring at the police car as you jumped out. It felt like you're like, ooh, look at me. And now and again, of course, he'd go, woo, and turn the siren on just for a second <laughs> and drive off. Yeah, scare the shit out of all the parents. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so what was that like as a teenager, though? Because you probably couldn't really, I mean, you're in a bad by then, but like, what, yeah. you couldn't really step a foot wrong, probably. <laughs> or you'd have to just get away not. with it cheekily. Yeah, no, he, my family, I was actually, believe it or not, I was a bit of a boring teenager. I was actually kind of well behaved. I know. I don't really have any sort of terrible stories of misbehaving or roaming the streets. I was a good boy. So, um, yeah, and by then my dad had moved into, he was in, um, he wasn't on the streets or anything patrolling anymore. He was in um, fingerprints. So he would actually go to crime scenes and, and dust on the walls and take fingerprints off the walls and, and try to compare them and try to catch the crims that way. So pretty fascinating job, actually. I love that stuff. I love, uh, yeah. I've said this before, but I love criminals. I don't love criminals, but I, know I, I find them really fascinating. I find the whole thing super duper fascinating. So that's so cool. I can't believe that he just, so he just was on the beat and then he. Well, he moved into that. Yeah. He just went off into a different, you know, as you do, I guess, when you're in an organization that big, you can, you can branch off into other avenues. And, and that was it. That ended up being his area of expertise. Would you have done that if you didn't want to be in a band? Um, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I think, you know, I, at the end of high school, I was a little bit, um, not lost, but it was, I wasn't lost. It's just, I hadn't really figured out exactly what I wanted to do at that point. So I went and did, um, music teaching, a music education degree, which I never finished. Um, the group got too busy and I had to quit, but I don't think I would have ended up using that either though because even though I love music and I do love kids 30 kids in a classroom together I don't think I would have had the patience in the end so I don't think I would have been a music teacher either um it's really difficult to say because the group did get very busy and it was pretty much straight away okay this is your job now and I've been so lucky in that I've never had to think about what I might do if it didn't succeed because you know, you know luckily we did succeed so who knows, I may have ended up as a police officer or something like that. <laughs> At least I knew what goes on in that job. So Yeah, that's true. Experience. Well, probably not really. Like you probably did on the surface level, but like deep did oh, I wanna know if you're dead. I just wanted this is all I want to talk about, but I don't want to I <laughs> right. But no, I'm dying to know. Like, did he tell you things? Like, oh, I'd just love to know if he told you stories about cases. They probably couldn't, could they? 
No, he couldn't really say anything about cases, but he would take us into, my sister and I, we would go into his office sometimes and then he would different things on the wall, all the pictures and yeah, so maybe when I was younger, I probably got a close-up of um, pictures of dead bodies more often than your usual kid. Uh, not real dead bodies. I would see photos on the wall. I know, I know what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So, um, so that was interesting. But it was always interesting. But I, I think my dad, you know, he probably would have told me that there was way more paperwork involved. And I think that's one thing with police work that they always say in the end. It's like there's so much paperwork, so much reporting have to do it's like 90 percent of your time is sitting at a desk typing something out oh well i still find it really fascinating as you can see oh it's still it is absolutely yeah, yeah. i, I want to go back to really quickly what you said about how being in human nature and having those dance moves didn't correlate to being ballroom yeah but only because you obviously have to, as part of a boy band, which mm-hmm. it's it's kind of funny talking to you calling it a boy band because I know I'm 49 years old. I'm still being called a boy. I don't <laughs> mind that at all, though. I don't mind it at all. Just you know. I mean, you're at the. <laughs> you look phenomenal. You look. You Thank look you. amazing. It's the lighting. It's the light. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's so funny to me because, like, truly, it's something that always happens every year. I mean, it probably didn't happen so much this year, but it's usually mm. people are like, oh, they shouldn't do Dancing with the Stars because they're professionals already. Mm. But that's so interesting to me that you really could not put a correlation between the two at all. Like, it was a completely different ball game. Absolutely, I think. One thing that the human nature dancing did was give me a real good sense of rhythm and and being able to learn dance steps quickly. That was um, that was definitely an advantage, but that was probably the only real advantage was that I could get past the steps and onto the posture and attitude quickly. There was a lot of people in there that um, had trouble with the steps, so they would be stuck on learning the steps for a lot longer than I would. So I can see that maybe that was an advantage. Because the posture and the attitude part and the positioning, that's 99% of it in, in ballroom dancing. And it's, I, I equated it to if you got an opera singer and asked them to sing a pop song. Um, sure, they would get the melody right, but it wouldn't sound like a pop song. Mm. So imagine that with a, you know, a dancer like me being asked to do ballroom, sure, I'll get the steps right, but until I've really knuckled down and got all the other bit, it's not going to look like a ballroom dance. Yeah, and, right. and even getting the steps, getting the rhythm, the rhythm in ballroom dancing I found is so completely different because you're not on the beat. It's not step, step, step. It's like the beat's going like this and you're kind of going step and slowly sway past that one and then we'll catch that one and move on. So it's it's much more flowing and and really fluid over the beat. So a really tricky thing to get that out of my head because that's just not the way I think when it comes to rhythm. Do you think now that when you go on stage you'll be like and blah, yeah probably blah. will the other guys will be like God you're lazy what's going on you look so <laughs> slow doing it. <laughs> or you'll make, you'll make them all go into formation. Yeah, absolutely. We'll partner up and just like. We'll just argue over who leads. Who do you reckon would be the best with you partnering? Toby? Probably Toby because he, he's yeah. got the experience from um, 2006. He did the show as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I can totally see that being a thing. That would be so good. <laughs> you left human nature and then now you're 
back. Well, you didn't leave. But no, you- I never actually. I never left human nature. I left. I left Vegas. Vegas residency. That's yeah. right. That's, That's right. why because I kind of stumbled because I was like, no, you didn't leave. The headline said you left, but it wasn't that you left. It was just yeah. that you wanted to come home and do down under gigs rather than Vegas. That's right. The headlines were completely wrong. There was never any split. Um, no, I and I gave the guys a couple of years' notice of leaving Las Vegas. I, I told them a good two – it was, turned out to be about two and a half years before I left that, that we discussed it. And so we put the plan into place that – that has worked out really well in that the other guys, they ended up getting a new residency in Las Vegas after the pandemic, you know, the pandemic basically shut down all our work in Vegas for over a year and the other guys managed to get a new residency. And so they've got a show over there that they do as a trio and that, you know, they do it really, really well. It's, it's a fantastic show and it's always really popular, which is wonderful. And, but the plan was always that when there was opportunities in Australia that came up, that I would be here waiting for them. And when they arrive, we all go on the road together. And we're actually doing that again in about, they arrive here in about a week. And yeah, we're on the road in Queensland and Victoria for two weeks. Considering how long you have been, I guess, over two decades in terms of being in the public eye. Yes. Considering how long you have been around, why do you think you have such longevity and so many longtime fans? Oh. A few, a few reasons I think that people can see that we still have the passion for what we do. We still really enjoy being together and working together. There's, there's no going through the motions. We're, we're always, I think maybe it's the way we were brought up as kids. It's just, you've got to just work hard. You've got to put a hundred percent into everything you do. And it's the same way I went into Dancing with the Stars is don't go in half assed and just be like, oh, you just teach me the steps, whatever. Um, I wanted to, I always want to do things a hundred percent. I never want to look like I'm just phoning anything in. So, and I know that's just exactly the same for the other guys. We always want to make sure that we're doing our absolute best. And I think our fans can see that as well. They can see that we're really earnest about it. We're, um, we're always really grateful to have the fans we've got. We've never felt like we're entitled to anything when it comes to our fans and, and we love our fans. We just recognize, you know, we'd be nothing without the fans and so pretty much everything we do is to um you know how do we please our fans with what we're doing right now and what are the fans going to want how you know how is this going to go over with our fans and our supporters so yeah we really that's 100 percent what we focus on and i think that's why they've stuck around because they know that they are the number one priority in our career have you found there's a whole new generation of fans that are now following you we have got um <laughs> I just want to make sure I answer the right the right way. When we were a boy band, when we were a boy band, we still are a boy band. Still are a boy band. Oh, still are a boy band, of course. But back in like the mid to late nineties, we had a lot of teen girls following us, of course. Those teen girls now, they are around in their forties and fifties now. And they've got kids of their own who they're introducing to our new music. But also their parents, when we started doing the Motown records in 2005, we were suddenly introducing our fans to the music that their parents loved Mm. and that we loved growing up when we were kids. That was the first groups that we listened to to get inspired, groups like The Temptations and The Four Tops and The Miracles. So 
I guess we've introduced different generations to to our fan group because of the type of music we've put out there, and the fans themselves have introduced us to, as I said, the the, the generations coming through, like their kids and everything. So it's really wonderful because now when we do a show. We'll put some of our original pop stuff in, and the the forty somethings go crazy, and then we'll put some Motown in, and the sixty somethings go crazy, <laughs> and the kids can all dance around and have fun as well because it's the music that their parents introduced them to. So we're really lucky in that way. It's been it's been wonderful that we've been able to put out different types of music that appeal to different ages. I guess I love that. Also, because I mean. I've got this theory that when you grow up with people, so I'm 37, mm-hmm. so when you grow up with people from like being a kid or if you have like yeah. obviously mine was a little bit more special with you guys because I did School Spectacular, you guys were in School Spectacular. Yes, yes. You know, it is such a that nostalgic element and being so supportive of something that you loved when you were younger. Oh, it really cute. translates, doesn't it? It's so important, yeah. That nostalgic thing of looking back at the the great fun memories you had when you were younger. It's so, it's such a strong feeling, yeah. and even amongst us as well. Like I, I put on the radio, and my first go to is like an either nineties or eighties. I just, <laughs> I love it. You know, classic soul as well. But you know, I grew up as a kid of the eighties and nineties, so all of those, you know, Wham and all those sort of groups. You know, that that's my jam. Exactly. My abuela, she was a huge fan as well. So she, before she passed away, she loved yeah. human nature. So that's just kind of like the generational thing that you were saying. Anyway, enough about oh, that. That's, but, no, that's so sweet. Thank you. But speaking of fans, what do your kids think of you? They, <laughs> they love what I do, but for them, it's not really unusual. There's nothing unusual about it. So they've grown up. My, my daughter has actually said to me that she's been asked at school, oh, what's it like to have a dad that's famous? And she, her response to them is, well, I could ask you what it's like to have a dad that's not. Because for her, it's just, okay, that's just the way it is. You know, from when she was nine months old, she was seeing her dad's face on a billboard in Las Vegas. So, or about 40 different billboards in Las Vegas, because that's how many we bought. So (laughs) she would drive around in the car with us and be like, oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. So, but to give you an example of how normal it is for my kids, my nine-year-old son, he hates me telling this story. He he reckons it embarrasses him, but it's more embarrassing to me. Um, (laughs) When my wife told, we kept the, the secret of me doing Dancing with the Stars away from my kids for a few weeks. And then when we told them, my nine-year-old son said, oh, that's awesome. Which star is daddy dancing with? That is fantastic. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So he thought I was the pro dancer and someone else was going to be the star. So that shows just how normal it is for them to have a famous dad, I guess. That is by far the best story I've ever heard, I think. That yeah. is great. God, kids keep you humble, don't they? <laughs> oh, completely. That's pulling your feet right back down to earth, that one. But they love coming to shows and they love seeing me sing on stage. They're really proud of me. Last night, my daughter actually filmed the result on her phone, like of her and my son sitting on the lounge together. And when they announced it, both of them were jumping up and down, arms in the air, hugging. It was really, really cool. So, so they're really excited for me. It's beautiful. 
I saw the one that you posted. Was it you who posted? Because everyone was around, all of the cast were together last night? Oh, yeah, that was last night. We um, Emily actually organised for a lot of the cast to be together, so we went to the Oxford Hotel in Darlinghurst and we watched it on a projector together, which was lovely because at the end, at the end, Emily and I were literally together, arms around each other, watching the result. And knowing that it didn't really matter which one of us got chosen because we were so proud of each other and so proud of everybody. So it was a really beautiful moment. And it was, and thank you, Emily, for organizing it. Well done. It was great. That's awesome. What advice do you have for your younger self? Could be the teen, could be anything, knowing what you know now. Oh, I would say, oh, that's a tricky one. I would say, I would say the advice I would give myself is to not panic too much about things. Like I said before, that whole imposter syndrome, I do get anxiety about things. And and one thing that's always worried me, I always have this nagging feeling in the back of my head that something is going to go so drastically and catastrophically wrong when I'm either on camera or on stage. Like I'm going to fall and break my leg or I'm going to go and try and hit a note and it's just not going to come out. My voice is going to disappear. Neither of those things has ever happened, and I don't think they ever will. Um, but I still just have that weird feeling of something is going to go catastrophically wrong. So I would say I heard a great quote by, you know, the comedian Bill Burr, the American comedian mm-hmm. Bill Burr, where he said, so many people get wrapped up in um, what if things aren't going to be okay. And he said, which is just a stupid thing. Why would you think that things aren't going to be okay? Why not just think that they're going to be okay? and then deal with it if they're not okay. Wait till they're not okay before you think about it. And I thought that was, that's such a cool thing. You should think in your head, it's going to be all right. And if it's not all right, then I'll deal with it when it's not all right. But I'm not going to let it get any headspace before that. So I think that's one thing I would tell my younger self, just lighten up a little bit, relax. If you if things things go wrong, you've got it, you'll sort it out. Um, just Just enjoy the ride and stop worrying so much. Ugh. I, you're amazing. I'm so, oh. this, is, this has been such a little treat for me this morning. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. This has been really fun. What a great conversation this has been. I oh, know, I've loved it. Thank you. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.